0: New Year, New You.
1: Happy New Year. Uta I think we probably did that in one of the best of shows as well.
0: Yeah, the best of TV and or film of 2023. We will have said that probably quite a few times.
1: And probably previous years as well.
0: You got a New Year's resolution?
1: No, I'm not 12.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, th- adults can have a New Year's resolution too. Although I've noticed that people are now sort of going away from the idea of the resolution as in like a punitive I never can get this word right a punitive thing punitive thank you a punitive thing that you you sort of like force yourself to do like oh I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to run a marathon or you know you're like taking something away from yourself people have moved away from that this year I'm feeling and gone into like more of these things and less of these things so like more chocolate less worrying about eating the
1: chocolate. I mean, I need to lose weight, but that's not <laughs> that's nothing around this new year. That's been pretty much for the past 20 years. And I've just had a lambooner, and I've got a oh, that's true. birthday cake muffin in the kitchen waiting for me afterwards. And um, is it your birthday, Mark? It It is not.
0: <laughs> when is your birthday?
1: It's July. <laughs> um, You bought me it. I know. so um...
0: It's the thing, when you're wandering around the supermarket, and you know that you want to get your beloved a sweet treat – and there are no donuts or cookies or other things in that aisle. And then I was just looking around and I thought, What's this thing? And it was like a little box with like like cardboard at the top, like little
1: a handle. That is, it, is that the a word handle. you're looking for? Yeah,
0: also helping me out with all the words tonight. So punitive and handle. So yeah, I had this little cardboard handle, like a, like a little present. And I was like, What's in that? And it's a birthday cake muffin. And it was only a pound. And I thought that would be lovely to like deliver to you, like in my hand. I could like present it to you as like something special.
1: It's a muffin. But yeah, it looks beautiful.
0: Thanks for for that.
1: (laughs) Romance is dead. I appreciate the effort. (laughs) But yeah, diet starts on um, Monday. After the Buddha? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Watching television, watching television.
0: So for TV, I've got something that you haven't watched and then we've got a show that we've both been very much into.
1: Obsessed with taking up every waking hour. <laughs> do you want to do yours first?
0: Yeah, let me get mine out of the way. So my show is called Men Up. It was shown on the BBC in that funny time between Christmas and New Year.
1: The merineum. That's
0: it, the merineum, the in-between times. Yes. I can't remember if it was, uh, and I'm, I'm. This is why I'm second guessing myself. I can't remember if it was like just before Christmas or just after, but it was definitely in that slot that I, I think, think.
1: I think footballer commentator said, "In and around, in and around, in and like, around." Like, thank Christmas. you,
0: in and around Christmas. But it's, it's, it's a, a a zone for television that where things kind of like go to die. I think sometimes.
1: Yeah, the Eastenders Christmas special just there. No one. <laughs> I don't think it is. Mm. I think things can get lost in the shuffle, Mm. I think it's safe to say.
0: Well, I I feel this has, and I think that's a real shame, actually. Men Up is a a drama, and there are comedy elements to it, uh, but a drama around a medical trial that took place in the um, early to mid-1990s in Swansea for what then became known as Viagra. So okay. it's a group of men and there are a diverse range of men, actually um, some really interesting actors. So you've got Faldot Sharma, you've got Ewan Rian, who you'll know from Game of Thrones.
1: I know from... The
0: baddie <laughs> from Game
1: of Thrones. I know <laughs> that he later played the exact same character in... What was those Marvel people on the moon?
0: Oh, yeah, I, I think I'd lost Marvel by that point Antel in time. Elgort
1: can't speak... Um,
0: oh, you've lost me now. I'm thinking of like the Inhumans. What? Oh, Inhumans, that's it. Yes,
1: yes. That was that was a the... TV show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I went listening. to the cinema to see yeah, it in IMAX. That's why I'm getting confused. The first episode, that was a waste of fucking ten quid.
0: <laughs> anyway, you and rain's in it. It's very good. um You've got um, the likes of Mark Lewis Jones, who's sort of a stalwart. You've got um Paul reese again. These are all characters. You, you probably don't know by name but you would know of them they're very good character actors and then names that you will know like alexandra roach who's from utopia and joanna page who we recently saw when we rewatched. i nearly said notting hill it's not notting hill love actually at christmas time yes so a, a lovely cast of welsh actors including katie wicks who's in it for a sort of a comedic scene at the beginning
1: i'm just looking and yes yeah, i did she was from wales
0: yeah so like really lovely bunch of actors and I think when I watched the trailer for this it really set itself up as sort of like a full Monty because clearly the idea of a group of men all different ages from lots of different backgrounds going to take a drug which may or may not give them an erection there is a comedy element to that and there was sort of like a scene of them all in a car or almost like like reacting to music and It just felt a little bit full, Monty, and and I thought, oh, I'm just I'm interested in because it's a true story. I'm interested in what happened with this medical trial, but I'm also interested in just seeing what how this drama is sort of like comes about because of the the actors that are involved. Yeah. But interestingly, when I watched it, yes, like I say, there's comedic moments, but there's a huge amount of heart in this, and there's a lot of emotion. It really brings to life the complicated psychological effects of erectile dysfunction in some men who are only in sort of like the early 40s, some men a little bit older, some people who have lost their wives, some people who've had, you know, really difficult relationships with their partners, uh, with gay men. It just, it really brought home How hard that is, and there's a there's a scene in one of the episodes where they're talking about why it's important to even have this trial because no one was looking at this, no one was trying to help those men. One of the characters like talks about the suicide rates and saying this is like a a silent stigma, but also he he says very clearly, men are dying of this, but they're not, we're not knowing that they are.
1: And in the 1990s, that wouldn't be at the forefront of the conversation around mental health, I dare say.
0: Absolutely. So yes. some 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 fun moments you know because we're talking about sex and we're we're talking about these things so some some funny moments some comedic moments but so much heart in it so much emotion some scenes that really really made me cry and it's not i found this really really interesting it wasn't all about oh here are some men who want to have sex with their partners it was also about the relationships behind those those marriages and partnerships and and a lot of the the sort of the takeaway was it wasn't really about the sex it was about who they were as people and how communicating with each other and i I just found that so refreshing it it didn't get just i no one was talking about it apart from there was a five-star review in the guardian which said it was a masterpiece and i completely agreed with it and then i thought there'd be more talk around it or you know it, like the podcasts would be talking about or there'd be reviews of it or saying you know this is the show of the the year one of the it, you know making it into people's top tens or whatever but I don't know whether it would it's so far at the end of the year yeah arrived too just late arrived too and so I really wanted to talk about it because it's still on um iPlayer you you can I, I mean I absolutely just took one episode after another after another because i wanted to see what happened to these characters and it it felt real the interesting thing about it is when i started to look at the production team russell t davies is one of the producers Ah. and i really felt it had an it's a sin it's difficult because it's a sin is so much on a pedestal isn't it and we we know that that's a an astonishing piece of television it's it's not right next to it's a sin but it's certainly floating nicely Beneath it, and yeah. it has a lot of the same Im- um, emotive content that I really, really enjoyed, and the the way that it told the story, I thought it was it was just be- beautifully told around again uh, an area of stigma. Okay, so I'd really recommend it. I think you, as as a man, would really enjoy it as well. I think you'd enjoy seeing. A program that was about men, all different kinds of men, which talks about masculinity, talks about what it is to be a man. I think that's really refreshing, and you see them together talking about mental health.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I need something to watch. I said this about most things that you recommend, and I never really end up watching it. But, but yeah, I, I, it, it's something I need something to watch. So it's on your pop it On your list. Yes, yeah. absolutely.
0: Let's talk about something that we have both seen and, as we have already alluded to, we're a little bit obsessed by.
1: The Traitors. So, can we talk about our history with the Traitors? I think
0: we might have to.
1: Because this, the first series of the Traitors came on at the same time as the World Cup last year. So, when a game was on the BBC, at half-time you quite often saw Claudia Winkleman come on with some hooded figures behind <laughs> her. It's all very And capital. we said... That looks shit, doesn't it? Mm. And there was loads of people saying how amazing this show was. But I think by this point we were pot committed and it was a lot to get back. It would have been a lot to get back into it there. So we just carried on. But the new series came out uh, a couple of weeks ago. I said I would wanted to watch it. You said you weren't interested. Yep. But you're a bit snobby, to be honest. Yeah, and... I was.
0: I was I, I, I've said this to you off my but I was a bit of a dickhead because I just said, I'm not watching that. I'm not, and, and the reason I wasn't watching it, and this is absolutely a personality flaw of mine, and I put my hands in the air when people go on about a show, and they say like it's the best thing ever, and it becomes a sort of thing that everyone's watching. I automatically don't want to watch it. We can have long, dark, deep psychological analysis of that, but it, it is a problem <laughs> that I have. So I know. What I said to you was that you could watch it because <laughs> that you was yeah, nice so of generous. You. You could watch it, but I would sit with my laptop open, probably with a face on, and I wouldn't really be watching it. Um, I would be working on something, but you could watch it. And naturally, open my laptop, within probably two minutes, the screen sort of came down <laughs> slowly, and then the laptop was put on another sofa.
1: I feel like it was that trope that's in a lot of films, like most memorably like for us once, where someone's... like a bit snobbish and then all of a sudden you see that moment where it catches them and i think there's a sound engineer in once which when they're recording uh they're starting to play when your mind's made up or something yeah, like that and yeah. he's like on his phone and like tapping away or something like, like you see his like eyes <laughs> just like, go and then he what's starts this beautiful yeah. music yeah. coming from
0: these people who i didn't think anything of that's
1: exactly what you did yeah,
0: yeah. yeah i know i know yeah. i'm really sorry it, it's brilliant i mean everyone who's been talking about how brilliant it is you're totally right. So it is absolutely superb.
1: Let's do a quick elevator mm. pitch of the format. Wish I'd come up with it. Yeah. There's 22 people in a castle in Scotland. Um, we now know through millions of click-based articles that don't actually sleep there, but they're in there during the day. There is £120,000 they can win, and each day they get a little task that they have to do where they can win £10,000, £20,000, and they all have to work together for that. And each night they vote someone off.
0: The the traitors.
1: Well, no, no, they don't vote oh, the traitors no, off. Oh no, you're right. No, right. no. let what me let is... me explain it in the format that <laughs> <laughs> format. Which I thought you'd was... missed a bit. Each night, someone's voted off, banished. Yes, that's the term that they use. And at the end, people split the money between them. Whoever's left. So a bit like Big Brother. The wild card to this is a number of people are randomly picked to become traitors. Um, no one knows who they are. We know who they are, but no one else in the house knows who they are. And they are a secret clan of people who need to work to make sure they're there at the end. Because if any of them are there at the end, they get the money rather than it being split amongst everyone else. So they get to vote someone off every night, murder them, as it's known. And the plan for the faithful, the people who are traitors, is to eliminate the... The traitors, so they get the money to spread around amongst them. I mean, it's it's a genius reality TV concept because we know who the traitors are, so we can see the psychological battles that they're playing. They can't just vote out their least favourite people on there because everyone will say, oh, well, it was him that you, you were arguing with him yesterday. You're clearly a traitor. Then we'll get you out the next night. Such a clever show.
0: Um. And one of the best things that we really enjoy sitting together on the sofa, like shouting at the telly, is that the faithful. And remember, there's a lot of them compared to the traitors, where there's like three or four. Yeah, the faithful are just really rubbish at finding <laughs> these traitors, and they do these like they'll say things like, "Oh, you're very quiet." But it's like, yeah, they're just be- they're just being quiet. And then they'll, then they'll go for someone who's a loud character. Instead, they, they contradict themselves all the time. Or they'll say things like, you've changed. You, oh, I, I'm sorry, I think you've just changed. On day one, before they even knew who the... You know, before the traitors were even picked. On day one, when we were on a train coming to the castle, when we were all in the same boat.
1: When we'd never met anyone. when
0: we ne- And we didn't know... And everyone's doing that first day thing where you meet a group of people that you've never met before. You were really, really, like, bouncy and sparky, and now, you, now you're now just not. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> the the people... I know there'll be academics out there who are watching this for group dynamics and sort of a, a analysis of how people work when you throw 22 people who don't know each other together. It is fascinating. And the group think that's going on, once one person says, oh, I think it's David, then the next person, oh, I, I think it's you, David. And then it goes right because no one wants to put themselves up as saying it's someone else. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing. There is a moustache-twirling villain in this <laughs> yes. who is an absolute anti-hero called Paul, who um, I suspect his time on the show is not long left because, I mean, there were... The game was structured in a way where there were questions to be asked about whether he was a traitor or not. And then someone turned around and said, well, I don't quite understand how you've managed to come back from this because... You were voted the most popular, but yet you're like you've like, not been voted out. Yeah, the traitors a... would have totally yes. got rid of you, and no one's picked up on <laughs> yes. this apart from apart one from guy one called guy. Jazz.
0: Jazz is a hero. <laughs> yeah, Jazz absolutely you knows. And actually, when you hear Jazz's backstory and that he's had oh god, yeah, that sort of experience in the past, I think he can pick up on sociopaths and narcissists, <laughs> and <laughs> that's what he's doing. But no one else will go with him. Nah. So poor Jazz is on his own picking up all these clues having things said to him that are so obvious and he's saying well i've got to keep it in my back pocket because if i start saying oh it's you it's you all the time no one else is with me you're gonna get rid of me
1: i mean there is one of the all-time great breakdowns on tv over so there was a task where people they had to guess there was a vote amongst the 22 people and there was a Thing of who's the biggest sheep of the group. I've seen people have major like losses in their life take it better than <laughs> Brian <laughs> took being voted the sheep of the group. He went into the he went into the round table, which is this lavish lavish set where they where they decide who they're going to vote out, and just decided to make it about him and say, "Look, can I just work out why people have called me a sheep?" and um and and and, and and why have you voted for me? Because I don't feel like I'm like that. It's like, why are you talking about this now? We've, just, we've moved on. He used the, coined the phrase, look, I don't know whether you think I am or I am, and <laughs> I just completely <laughs> forgot the can English just, language. Can
0: I just check before we, before we vote? Can you, can I just see if someone thinks I am or I am? And he, it's so And Bless him. He seems such a lovely guy. But I think that really indicates the pressure. And um, what we haven't spoken about is this moves really, really quickly. So yeah. every single day someone is banished and someone is murdered. Every single day in in their world, yeah, someone they do a task, the two one of these group building like awful team building tasks. Which is yeah, I agree. It, and that's where they're collecting the money. It, I mean it does it's starting to do a little bit more within the show i think because there are some people who aren't pulling their weight within the group tasks yeah and that's starting to come to the attention of other people so it's not really about murdering people or banishing people they're starting to go you know what i'm a bit sick of this person who always stands at the side and doesn't get involved so again you're it's that group dynamics thing where it's not really part of the show it's just when you're living with people for a period of time you get to start liking some people more than others, or starting to see personality traits that you don't. its like when you're when you're working with people. When you're at work, you'll know there's someone who does something that you know you kind of like. oh, I wish you wouldn't do that. I and love all my coworkers. Yeah, I know, I I know you listening. do. I know you do. <laughs> I'm not saying it does, but the, you know, in any sort of work environment, when you're thrown in with people that you don't you don't know very well, or you have to work with very closely, there will be some people who work in a very different way to you, and that will be challenging. Yeah. and that's what's starting to come out in the show I think because at the beginning everyone's just a bit nicey-nicey and trying to get on and now some people are going you know what I can't be bothered with collecting this money
1: yeah um so highest recommendation from yeah, us absolutely it's, it's appointment tv it's not something we say till next night mm-hmm. we sit there it's nine o'clock it finished at 10 it's on Wednesday Thursday Friday nights these are times where we might just decide to go and read in bed or something like that and i say read what well, i mean is play with my phone then drift off to sleep absolutely but this is something we need to watch live um as soon as it finishes i'm getting texts from people like have you watched it yet have you watched it yet <laughs> and then criticizing them all for ignoring uh <laughs> paul in his top hat and uh and twirly twirly tash yes yes the hooded claw <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Planning to kidnap Penelope Pitstop.
0: People have um, compared him to Nasty Nick, which I know can be one of those things that gets banded about. But I genuinely think this is on a par with that that first Big Brother series with Nasty Nick, because the level of what he's doing is so little and minuscule, and he's he's not doing anything wrong. He's playing a game, just like Nick was.
1: Nick did Nick did break the rules by sneaking <laughs> a pencil in. I know,
0: that's what I mean.
1: I mean, I look forward to Paul <laughs> appearing on the front page of The Sun in a shitty £1 cap that they've had screen printed with oh, Brad Pitt. And... I know,
0: but that, that's what I feel like. I feel like it's that because it's just, its he's been banded like, you know, is he the biggest baddie in Britain sort of thing? But its I find it quite... Endearing because like Nasty Nick wrote like a book about how to be a baddie and he he made his money and we st- we're still talking about him now we're still calling him Nasty Nick which is like ridiculous. I don't know what
1: his last name is. I know who Craig <laughs> yeah, Phillips yeah, is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Who, I, know well, I don't f- know I the numb's last name apart. is. And
0: like good on him. Like if that's you know he's gone in there to play a game. He's not ruining anyone's life. A bit like Nick didn't. And you know I hope that. The f- you know the fame and you know the five seconds of fame or th- all of that sort of stuff comes across because i think the these are like for me these are like fundamental british characters of television that we remember years down the line that are part of our culture so i really enjoy it from that level it's not
1: a british format though is it it's um, oh i didn't know that i think it came in from the from like netherlands i oh, think right. same place as big brother
0: right oh well there we go that makes sense hmm. So, um that's all we've got for television. Yes. Let's get on to film.
1: Saturday night at the movies who cast the picture you see. When you're Ruby. with your baby, let's roll in the burning. So we've got three films, I think. I've got The Boy and the Heron and Poor Things, which I've just got back from.
0: And we have both got Godzilla minus one, which I'm excited to find out your opinion on because I still don't know, and it's been a few weeks <laughs> since we've seen it.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to do the Boy and the Heron really quickly for reasons that will become clear. The latest film by um, from Studio Ghibli, directed by Hayao Miyazaki, absolute legend of Japanese cinema, Japanese animation. Um, has made many of the most famous Japanese animations, such as Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke, et all.
0: And even I've heard of those, and Have I know you seen anything about of them. Anim- <laughs> no, <laughs> no. You know what? they I just know instinctively they're not my cup of tea, and I, animation is a is not a point for me anyway.
1: Well, I've seen a lot of them, and I feel it's still not for me. So I'm going to say that out uh, up front that. Yeah, this, this is a film I respect rather than enjoy. It's a story of a young boy who, in World War II, his mother is killed, and so he has to move to the country with his father and his, his father's new wife. There he meets a heron who comes out the sea and starts trashing the... Oh, no, sorry, that's my notes for uh, Godzilla, sorry. You know
0: what? I did not get that.
1: <laughs> I was sitting
0: there going, what? I was like, this sounds just like Godzilla.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen a lot of Japanese World War II films <laughs> yeah, recently. Yeah,
0: yeah. I take it the Heron's nice in this. Yes, the Heron's. Well, <laughs> yes. uh, okay. sort of. Yeah. Right.
1: Um But the Heron leads him on a mystical adventure into other lands and other worlds. Um it's very whimsic very whimsical. This film looks amazing. Some of the some of the most beautiful animations, some of the sets just look like you They are pieces of art that you would see in a museum. The voice cast is great. So I'm going to read out some of the people who do voices. So Christian Bale, Dave Batista, Gemma Chan, Willem Dafoe, Mark Hamill, Robert Pattinson, Florence Pugh, Dan Stevens turns up. And they're not just doing their own voice, which is often the probably Jack Black sometimes Mm. when he does a voice. There's never any doubt it's Jack Black.
0: He is Kung Fu Panda.
1: I didn't know that these were doing the voices until I saw the end credits. Um, I saw the dubbed version.
0: I was just about to say, yeah. you must have seen the dubbed version rather than the <laughs> that, subtitle It just clicked. I didn't even realise it. <laughs>
1: those people, yeah, thing, they, they speak really fluent <laughs> yeah. Japanese. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I saw the dubbed version just purely because that's when the my schedule worked and that's the tabs were convenient. I've got absolutely no problem with the. They do such a good job with the dubbed versions. I'm normally a bit of a snob with something like that and would rather watch the subtitles, but there we go. This just uses a story structure which I just cannot get involved with. And I think this personal for me. I know enough people who opinion I respect, who absolutely love these films will this will be on their top 10 of the year. Yeah, Greatest films of all time. I have repeatedly tried, and I will continue to try because I'm clearly missing out on something, but this just isn't for me. The storytelling tropes just... I don't know if I'm missing something, Mm. but there's clearly some time that's passed between the boy's mother dying and him moving to the the country. But that was never clear to me. I I don't think there was a sign on screen that would have done that. We then find out, like, 20 minutes into the film, that the dad's married the mum's sister. Is that normal in Japanese culture? I don't know, but it was took me by surprise and I'm like, I'm surprised I'm not making more of a thing about this. George R.R. R. Martin does kind of three stage reveals. It's how, And, you know, there is something that's put in really subtle that 0.1% of the hardcore fans who's really paying attention will pick up on. Then he'll do another thing. And then there is a, a reveal for everyone else. This kind of got like one and, to one and two and then turned about four pages and then it was just part of the plot and i'm like you've never really revealed that to me properly I, like i suspect that that's the case but characters just become something that i don't think it was explicitly explained to me that that's the case um and then the film just ends like there is a resolution and i like i'm waiting for a little per script and then it just ends with and then we move back to the city two years later Oh, okay. And nothing else? No, nope. That was it, nope. just the end. No, no post-credits thing. Tony Stark didn't turn up and say he was build, building the heron uh See you. Um, yeah. No, it's...
0: It must be hard when you... When you're fi- when there's essentially plot holes or you're finding it hard to marry things up. Well, I'm not sure sense? there are plot holes.
1: Okay. Uh, I think this might it's be me. It's just the, yeah. the,
0: the way the story is told.
1: But there's... Also, like I was like, the mix these scenes up because someone's talking to someone, then he's in a completely def- separate room, and then he's back talking to this person. It's like, am I missing something? And clearly, it's on me because these are incredibly successful. It's being so successful, and it's probably down to the writer strike. That this is being shown in a big screen at our local Cineworld in the centre of Newcastle. So clearly, it's me. Um, I wish I enjoyed these more, but yeah, it feels like. It feels like I'm first night at the opera, and I'm not quite sure yeah. of the storytelling um, yeah. methods that they but use. I think
0: it's it's brave to be able to come out and say, it it's not that you didn't like the film; it's just that you, and you res- you respect the animation. It it just doesn't work for you, like it does for other people. I think it would be a lot easier to go along with the crowd and be like, "Oh, this is amazing," and everyone says it's amazing, and I'm if I'm a cinephile. I must say how brilliant these things are. So, I nah, think... I'd, I'd rather ra- I'd rather
1: burn the ground, the scotch ground, and say it's the Emperor's New Clothes and uh, everyone's everyone's fooling themselves. But no, I'm sure that's not the case in this instance.
0: So, a film that you went to see today, you've literally just been to see today, and as you walked out of the door, I shouted, "Do you know it's two and a half hours?"
1: Which I didn't. <laughs> which
0: you didn't. Is uh, poor things, which has just won a Golden Globe for. Was it like best film or something like that?
1: Best it's for best it? award that we don't pay any attention <laughs> to because <laughs> they're an absolute fucking farce, yeah, I think, yeah. is the official but term. Emma
0: Stone's getting lots of plaudits and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's on everyone. Lots of people are talking about it. It seems to be something that's on the tip of everyone's uh, tongue.
1: Yes. So this is the latest film by Yorgos Lanthimos, previously of Killing of the Sacred Deer, The Lobster, The Favourite. Have you just seen the favorite?
0: Only the favorite because it was historical. It was Queen Anne, and obviously it was Olivia Coleman. I saw the trailer for the Lobster, and I felt wrong because <laughs> because I saw that there was like an aspect of like if you didn't do something by a certain time, you turned into an animal. And I don't know that that's like a fairy story. That's really, I I find like, um, like. The, the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Hansen, those stories, I find terrifying. And it really reminded me of those really dark fairy tales.
1: Yeah, and I think that trailer was on a lot when we went to the cinema together. Mm. Um, remember those days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was really excited about this. I never got to see it. and never got to see The Lobster until recently. Uh, it's actually my least favourite of the you now four films that I've seen. Um, really like Killing of the Sacred Deer. Um, and really, really like the favourite as well. Um, but this is his latest. It stars Emma Stone, and all I knew is that this was kind of a Frankenstein story. Um, I'm gonna, because I didn't know very much about it, and this reveals itself very slowly to me. So that part really worked for me. I'm gonna channel the movie Robcast and just read out the IMDb. A
0: good idea. But, Why we don't do that anyway? Mm, I do not know.
1: Well, it's because gimmick infringement. And, uh, <laughs> True. The incredible tale about the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and orthodox scientist Dr. Godwin Baxter.
0: Willem Dafoe. Yes, Willem I Dafoe playing
1: much. something of a scientist. Yeah. This also stars your favorite actor.
0: Uh, well, one of, one of my favorites. He's certainly my favorite to to see on the screen. Known in our house as the Gruffalo. He is, of course, Mark Ruffalo.
1: And. What a joyful time he is having.
0: I saw that in the trailer. He seems very caddish.
1: Oh, he is a rake. He is a he is an absolute cad, yes. Um I he, would enjoy that. Mustache twirling to rival even Paul from the tourists.
0: <laughs> the tourists.
1: Uh, the tourists, yes. <laughs> the the tourists. traitors, yes. Different, different TV show that I've not seen. I'm gonna have to just put my prejudices about this film up front. Okay. Um When we first meet Bella, and obviously this is a Frankenstein story, she is a very infantile character in an adult's body. Mm. And I found the portrayal troublesome. I think a lot of that is down to the environments we find ourselves in with people, people with learning disabilities. And it certainly was a little bit too on the nose as a performance for me.
0: So when you're talking about that, you're talking about us as a, a, our personal life. Yes. And the fact that our son um, has profound and multiple learning disabilities, and we also have a lot of people in our lives who have learning disabilities, and you found that difficult to... And
1: you, I, think, you, yeah. I think it's the fact that it's a very well-known actress that I mm. know, and yeah, it was... I think there's a fine line between like, a, an appropriate and inappropriate performance, mm. and... This was in danger of leap vaulting about five towns past that line. Interested. Um, and this put me on the back foot immediately. I thought if this carries on, I'm not sure I can carry on for the two and a half hours as you mentioned. Yeah. So said so, there is an evolution of the character and as mentioned, she does move on. It's a ten minute thing, and once I was past that, it clearly didn't stick with me because I fucking love this film. <laughs> okay this is such a funny film it is so, but such really thought-provoking obviously with Lanthimos, when his films are so fantastical you do have in the back in mind what is he trying to say and all the way through there is references to religion and politics and very much female politics sexual freedom of the of, of females um probably throughout the 60s is certainly plays up in this um you know women's lib feminism is always there in the background and then and i'm not going to do any spoilers but there is a third act which really hits home to modern female politics and the, the state of the world certainly in certain parts of the world where the the progress that i, I feel i, I don't want to speak for women but yeah. um yeah. i feel there is when we have had discussions i know that there is certainly areas of the world where people feel that all the progression has been made is mm. certainly being rolled back yeah, absolutely and this is really, really powerfully done, but done in a subtle way that I think the people that need to understand it probably would oh, get to. Oh, no,
0: it. no, that's always the way, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Um, It's an incredibly vulnerable form- performance from Emma Stone, um, once it got beyond the problems. Um, she spends a lot of this film with very little clothes on. There is a lot of sex scenes in this that are very not titillating. Mm-hmm. They are done... <laughs> I say partially, there is certainly some comedic elements to this, but also it's quite troubling um, because this is someone who at various points in the film where you question whether she does have the agency mm-hmm. around this. And yeah, it's it, it's funny, but it's also at times really, really meant, I think it's meant to put you on the back foot.
0: Which is really interesting, isn't it, that you say that because again, clickbaity titles are talking about this being sort of raunchy and sexy and how uh, 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 i saw an article today that was like sex is back in the cinema and everyone's gonna have this sort of like sexy sex but i mean they mentioned saltburn interesting when you think about the sex scenes in saltburn um and, and this yeah indeed um and and this and i was like i'm sure that's not when you've come back and like you haven't come back and gone, oh, that was a great big sexy romp. This is dark and difficult and challenging.
1: Yeah, and it's not necessarily played that way. There is a tongue-in-cheek all the way through mm. this, but the this might be me as a 43-year-old <laughs> yeah. man. God, I'm at that yeah. age now where I need to actually think what age I am, that I'm like, I'm not sure that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There is certainly a... Like, it certainly brooches the areas of consent and age of consent and things yeah. like that. Also to add to this, this film looks fucking amazing. It all appears to be practical sets as Bella goes on these journeys. She visits Lisbon, she visits Paris and if they aren't practical sets, they're fucking good effects. It seems like they've made these sets for about two minutes of screen time to the point where they're so intricate. It's like, surely it's just... Qu- cheaper to to fucking fly to lisbon and just film this one scene that you need to do it's very very deliberately stylized so that it looks like the most elaborate set you've ever been on and definitely not someone trying to look like lisbon it's someone trying to look like a set that's made to look like lisbon but yeah it's absolutely stunning there are set pieces in all across um all across the world it goes into Um, Poverty politics, it goes into so many different uh, things like the high society and low society in the world. It's incredibly political and that's not what I expected when I set foot into the the theatre i think it's a really important film and if this isn't on my top 10 of the year like it's been a hell of a year have you got any interest in watching this
0: i have more so now i've heard your review actually because i I had seen like i said these titles where it's like oh emma stone lots of sex scenes mark ruffalo's the, the CAD and i was a little bit like well what else will there be for two and a half hours i'm really intrigued by this third act that you've talked about i, I do have more of a I'm swayed more to go the, the timing always puts me off because anything two and a half hours it, it, it all, absolutely always, flew by yeah
1: um, I'll say that it's just
0: more the t- more for me it's like the time out of my day it's really really hard to like get that level of time out yeah um, but yeah I, I'm much more interested in going to and if I had the opportunity to I'm sure I would I would go along now
1: it's one to see on the big screen mm. if it's all possible it's one to concentrate on And it's also... I mean, I I will just say now there are elements of this that I think you will find troubling. The same way... The same warning I gave you around the creator.
0: Which, um, just for everyone at home, is the uh, visualisation of of children, young children. We have had two premature children, Mark and I, and so sometimes the visuals around small children can be difficult for me in particular to handle.
1: Yeah, and there is a a theme that is touched upon in the final act that okay. I know you find very troublesome okay um as you should because it's it's a yeah. horrible thing but yeah. it's never it's threatened rather than enacted okay but yeah you will so if you is, see it you yeah. th- you will see what I mean
0: yeah so there'll be there'll be things that might be challenging in the in the yes film. Yeah. yeah okay well yeah okay interesting but
1: yeah um highest recommendation mm-hmm. it's it's not quite five stars because of my my troubles mm. early on, but it's four and a half easy.
0: It's fascinating to analyze, it must be, because there's so much in that. Oh, like, I, yeah. I don't even know what the plot is, but I can feel when you're talking about politics and social and the different levels of society and women's rights, like, mm. there's so much there to think about, isn't there? So, yeah, I, I'm more intrigued to go and see it so that I can have those conversations with you, actually.
1: Please do. Okay. Please do.
0: <laughs> Godzilla. Godzilla. Ooh, he's coming out of the ocean with his boom, 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 with his big legs.
1: (laughs) Is that your review?
0: Yes, it is.
1: (laughs) What's your history with Godzilla? He says, (laughs) suspecting. Knowing
0: that you you and I have a history with Godzilla. So, um, 11 years ago, when I first met Mark at a film club, um, as you do when you meet at a film club, we went to see lots of films together, but also, you, like people do at the start of a relationship, you decided that you would introduce me to films that meant something to you. And that included things like A Hard Day's Night, uh, The Beatles film, uh, which is really, really interesting for me to think about because I knew nothing about The Beatles other than lovely Paul McCartney in the 1980s did The Frog Song um, involving Rupert the Bear and um, that was um, a, a great song, one of the greatest songs ever written.
1: <laughs> I mean, clearly, it's the it's the song that will be remembered when Paul McCartney sadly I mean, passes away. I mean, I will think
0: about it. Boom, 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 yeah, boom, yeah. That'll be what I sing when, Not when hey he when goes. Hey Jude, or
1: maybe I'm amazed or no, anything like I that. Mean, no. I mean,
0: genuinely, would prefer to hear the Frog Song than Hey Jude.
1: Yesterday. Yes,
0: I think. <laughs> It, yeah it's very tuneful it's a it's got a lovely melody and there's like a story to it and everything anyway let's move on so Beatles very good walk down I did actually walk down the aisle to Beatles song which is excellent um so that obviously stayed with us we also we went to see um back in the day we went to see things like Q&As with writer directors of like local films we went to see uh, do you remember we went to see that documentary about pulp and that was sort of like screened almost like live from Sheffield but into a cinema in Newcastle
1: yeah there was i think it was the like the premiere or something yes. like that it was pulp's documentary about Sheffield and for the half an hour beforehand I think there was kind of like a laser on the side of a wall (laughs) like that was being streamed live saying things like, hey, Newcastle, (laughs) thou shalt have a fishy on your little dishy. And hey, Leeds, Um, no one likes (laughs) Leeds. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and we had kind of thought we might be like seeing Pulp at some point, but that didn't happen. (laughs) Anyway, it was very good. And then we also went to see uh, Doctor Who, the 50th anniversary that was a showing of the tv episode the special episode was
1: that the day of the doctor or something yeah. like that yeah uh, it was also
0: the day that a dalek sat in front of us if you remember that
1: yeah i remember being a l- very much out of place in yeah the-
0: <laughs> i think we were the only people who were not wearing scarves yeah so yeah we, we went to see lots of things around that time and in- including to get back to the point you took me to see the original godzilla gojira from the
1: 1950s yeah i mean god how to how to prove to your <laughs> a potential new partner that you're a pretentious twat. <laughs> I don't even think like I think I, that was an affectation that I was trying to put you on think you. So? Yeah, because so I just thought you were
0: amazing like for me it obviously worked. Yeah, I know. Um I've lived with you for a long time now. I I, I genuinely thought wow, he really knows his cinema.
1: <laughs> so when we when I was at school, like we used to watch the Godzilla films. My friend had two parents that were teachers. He used to leave for work quite early in the morning. So we used to converge at his house and spend like an hour or half an hour just dicking about, playing games and stuff like that before we went to school. And this would be like in the late 80s, early 90s. We realised that they were on on a Friday night. So we used to tape them and and then watch them like throughout the week in half an hour chunks when we all arrived at Dave's house. And... Like, the first film, Gajira is a brilliant piece of work. Um, it's about Japan post-World War Two, that come to terms with the atomic bombs that were dropped. The rest of those films, not necessarily in the same league, okay. and it's it's very much, um, yeah, badly dubbed and bad effects. There was quite often when you watch them back-to-back, back, you can spot an effects shot in one. So a man is thrown into, like, a building, sorry, a a monster is thrown Sorry. into a building, <laughs> okay. a man a suit is thrown into a building in one, and then that would turn up like in a couple of films' time. Um.
0: Interesting. But I've got a
1: lot of affection for them. Yeah, of course. And I think I was, I think, well, I'd tell you now, I was probably just trying to impress you with my knowledge. Well, of it, it really, of really did work.
0: It really did work. But you were nervous, weren't you? I remember you saying, sort of like after the event, that, I mean, maybe even at the time, saying you were a bit nervous because it's black and white, it was subtitled. I hadn't seen that, I've never really gone back in time with my films. I, I don't even know many of the films from the 70s. Re, I'm really very much an 80s, 90s girl. And the classics, in inverted commas, because of the personality flaws that I've alluded to earlier, I kind of ignore them because everyone's gone on about, like, this is the best film of all time, so I just don't watch it.
1: Was your reference to Godzilla then um, the cartoon, the 1998 <laughs> film, or the Chewits advert? The, Chew-
0: <laughs> the Chewits, of course. But also, um, yeah, the um, the Deeper Underground, um, um song that was used for... Was that Godzilla? Yeah, with Matthew... yeah. So there was two
1: hit singles for from Godzilla. Oh, Can you name that? the other one?
0: Oh no, I can't. So what? Deeper underground? No. So the other oh, was one was like a rap. Yeah, it so like... it
1: was Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page.
0: That's it. I, I wanted like I wanted to do like a rap, but also guitars. Oh, I wish
1: you would do that.
0: <laughs> but I can't tell you what. Uh, come with me. Oh, do because do. Do, 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 yeah, use do, the do, do, um. Do, do, do. Yes, yeah, use the the riff from Kashmir. Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing. Good songs. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I did like the Chewits advert, and ever since I ever since I hear Barrow and all I could think of is Chewits are even chewy than Barrow and bus Buster it was about ten years later that I've heard Barrow and Furness and realised mm. that's what they were saying it's in an the advert. Place, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. The film.
0: The film. <laughs> so that that's like our background, isn't it? So I've, I've very fondly have very fond memories of that. Yes. And the subsequent Godzilla film, like the American Godzilla films, I haven't particularly liked as much. Although I did, I did have some really good thoughts around the Gareth Edwards. Godzilla that came out. Oh God it's probably about ten years ago now. But you know, it started. That was early off on in our relationship that, too. That new thing and Gareth Edwards, who was director of the creator, which we've talked about already on this podcast. You know, it seemed to come at a, at, a, at a different angle. But the later ones I've not really been into, and. Funnily enough, before Godzilla minus one, there was a trailer for the next in that incarnation, which is Godzilla like times King Kong. You know, everything has to be have an X in it or something. Godzilla X King, X Kong. King Kong. Yeah. yeah. Um, which just looked awful.
1: No. And,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it did. It really did. Is it like um, Fallen Empire? Is that the full something name? Something like that. And it's like I, I love a monster film as well. I really, really love a monster flick and I think that's one of the reasons why I really like Gojira because even though it was a man in a suit like you said I really felt the symbol I love the symbolism of the monster films I you know what is the threat of the of the day when I was doing um a level history we used to watch films and unpick what what the film was talking about in terms of the era that it was made in so th- there were lots of films that we watched where it was you know, of a time, but it, what it was really talking about was about the Vietnam War, or, you know, what it was really, you know, it was like some of the Shakespeare's that were modernised to talk about World War II, you know, all of that sort what of you stuff. you're going to
1: say that some of the Shakespeare was actually about the Vietnam War. No, no
0: but like, <laughs> genuinely, that's, and obviously it wasn't, but they were u- utilising that story and modernising it and telling a different tale of the era in which the film was being made. So I've always really loved that what is the what is this film talking about in terms of what's going on in the world at that time and that's very much what godzilla is doing in terms of the nuclear threat and post um world war 2 one of the reasons that i love godzilla minus 1 getting finally to the film review <laughs> is that godzilla minus 1 does exactly the same thing and it really feels like it's part of that universe if you hadn't if I, if I didn't know about like the special effects and everything, and that that clearly made it a modern film, I would have sworn this was made round about the time of the original Gojira. It has got a sheen to it that makes it feel like that part of history. And just like in Gojira, we are putting the characters and the situation and the political climate first yes the monster is there yes i thought the monster was absolutely terrifying in godzilla minus one by the way (laughs) really yeah yeah, really genuinely i found it the most terrifying and i think the use of the original um what's it called like the theme the theme yeah yeah, the the really dark and almost like Hans zimmer-esque um theme really scared me as well so you've got a scary monster but it's the people it's it just it felt like i was it was almost like documentary style i felt like i was there post world war 2 watching the characters go about you know their business in the aftermath of of terrible war
1: well okay um i saw this film just after our top films of 2023 was released and had i seen this before my this would be in my top 10 easily. Oh, yay! Probably, in, probably in the top two or three. <laughs>
0: We're on the same page, aren't
1: we? I think the joys of this is I'm, to my shame, I don't have a lot of knowledge about um, Japan in the 40s and 50s, um, but this seems to be a really interesting study of how the country was at that time to the point where. I would have think I enjoyed this film even if a big lizard didn't pop out of the sea every now and again and attack people. The, the characters are so well drawn. The main character, Koichi, is a um, kamikaze pilot who has come back from the war. Obviously not a lot of kamikaze pilots did. And just the shame that he en- endures from the people he meets and trying to get himself back into a country that's rebuilding itself. I think it's so well told. Um, he meets uh, Narika, who I really, really like. She has a story of her own. It's not how you would see it when you first meet that that character. This is such a human story. It's very, very cine-literate. There's obviously references to Jaws. I mean... Yeah, at one
0: point there's there's four men on a boat.
1: Yeah, it's like, yeah, Hooper...
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's four rather than the three that's in Jaws, but you, you've got the scientist, which is Hooper, you've got the crusty old Captain Quint, yeah. you know, and yeah, and it, it, you can definitely see the similarities there. And they're out in the ocean, they're out in, you know, they're on this boat in the middle of the ocean waiting for a monster.
1: Yeah, the other film that I really reminded me of is cloverfield
0: yes because yes you're absolutely right
1: for so much of this story and it changes with the final act but we are with civilians and we mm. don't know what's happening so just like in cloverfield you can be walking down the street with the characters and then you'll see the monster but then you'll see the the army attacking it yeah that happened all the time in this like the and it also allows them to do a bit of um getting out of a hole, getting characters out yeah. of a hole that they're not necessarily going to get out of. Oh, here um, come the military. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. saved us again. But- oh,
0: that's a really good... Uh, yeah, that's really good because I was trying to think of the other films that it reminded me of. And it, right at the beginning, I think the opening scene really reminded me of Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park. Oh, of course, um, yeah. So there's yeah. some lovely Spielbergian moments in there, which is not a criticism. I really liked the references. It, it didn't feel like cliched or like they were trying to rip something off. It yeah. was just some lovely nods, really.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the action scenes are so well done because it's not just action for action's sake. Every single time Godzilla appears, there's a meaning for it. And it's not just because we need to end the film right now or we need this person to die or we need this motivation for this person. It was it was well planned and it it just worked. I've got a couple of issues with the very, very final stages of this. Um, some plot points happen which I could have done without, but this makes me want to go back and revisit all the old Godzilla films, and I mean the old ones, the shit ones as well, because they they gave us me so much joy as a child. Yeah. Um, and and they also somehow managed to bag me a wife. So. Um... <laughs>
0: Are weird yeah. although. indirectly but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I've got two little criticisms uh, before we finish which was um at, at times, I just felt slightly baggy. At times, and a little bit tightening up in the editing. I did feel the length. Okay, um, I didn't. And I know. I think it's, it's a personal thing, isn't it? I think there were times where I was like checking my watch, and not because I was bored, but because I thought, mm, maybe we've seen this before. There may be a little bit of repetition. Okay. But my second thing was around the the, the characters who are women. Now there were two two women in this who start off really really strongly. Noriko that you've talked about. And um, she is very full of spirit. She is, um, you know, really gutsy. She's talking back to other characters. Um, she's quite wily in her way, you know, s- making plans. And and she very, very swiftly falls into a, a, a wifely mode, um, which, uh, you know, a wifely, motherly mode, which I can see on your face what you're going to say, which will clearly be of the time yeah clearly be of the time but what i would have liked to have seen is even though she was sort of corresponding with the role of women in that time i would have liked to have seen some of that personality trait remain with her because she's clearly a spirited woman and i it it just felt like all of her personality was sort of drawn out of her to fulfill the role of wife mother i understand Um, that And there's there's another character as well. There's a neighbour who berates um, our kamikaze pilot when he comes back and hasn't done the thing that the kamikaze pilot should do. And she is saying that all of her children have died. And why is he still alive and he should have died? And she was very, very um, forceful. And again, she fulfills the role of, of mother in inverted got you know she becomes that caring role later on and again I can understand that time has passed that these are that might be a character development that she's able to forgive but it would have just been nice to have seen maybe some of that spirit remain and not so much as women as the caregivers that's the, that's the only thing that I just and it's it's a little point it's not huge it didn't spoil my enjoyment of the film
1: I understand that I can understand that for me i think it is no no i'm no I, I, it, mm-hmm. that, um, I didn't feel that but i can understand how you would yeah um so yeah that's uh, yeah but that, minor flaws it's I think. Not, it yeah is. it's yeah. not gonna
0: knock like three stars off it or anything like that it's just i think it's important to say that, that there are tiny little things that you know could have been developed mm.
1: and again like the act strike has really helped us here because i don't think we'd have seen this mm. um were it not so such a wide release, yeah. I mean, like there's been a lot of Godzilla films which I yeah. haven't seen. I probably would have seen it eventually because it's on. It's it's actually going into the IMDb top two fifty. Wow! Um, it, so that's how well it's thought of. But there is such a lack of mainstream films that this is showing in big screens in our local cinema world and Odeon and View, whereas I think traditionally it would probably be stuck in a local art house Absolutely. and maybe walk for one screen on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I don't think we would have known about it. Yeah. Th- this has been... O- and the only reason I knew about it was because I listened to the, the film podcasts... And people were raving about it. Mm. And I hadn't even known this was a film that was being made. Yeah. So, like, it's one of the things where I'm like, oh, I'm really glad I listened to the podcast.
1: It's a proper word of mouth yeah. phenomenon, this. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen this and you can still see it on a big screen, I'd really, really recommend you mm. try to. Absolutely. Um, I think this will this will benefit from the, from the sheer scale of a cinema screen. But if you have to watch it at home, like, I don't think... I don't think you'll be disappointed. No, not at all. This is. But yes, yeah, this on the for me is <laughs> it's the best action film of last year mm. for me. Even better than, <laughs> even better than Aquaman, which I watched a couple of days later, and I just cannot draw myself to even talk about. <laughs>
0: oh no! Oh bless you. Even better than the Chewett's advert.
1: There's less um, bus depots in this, oh, or leaning tower yeah, pieces. Yeah. Oh, or... the li- I forgot about that—the
0: leading tower of Pisa.
1: i'm gonna go and watch the two i think we're just
0: gonna have to watch it now you know what we do have to watch actually before we wrap up um gladiators has been on today but because we are not allowed to watch anything that isn't on cbb's when our son is around we haven't been permitted to watch the new improved version of gladiators
1: you have to sneak it in now
0: well i really want to but you know what i've been wanting to do most of all sing theme tune do you feel the power of the gladiator? Honestly, I've had that in my head all day. Like, it's, and it, actually, it's one of those songs where, like, it's really bombastic and it's really fun to sing in the kitchen.
1: That's see, somehow I know that that song is sung by someone called Muff Murfin. You are joking. Which I think might be something that I just saw Have on the credits. No no, 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 no. I'm telling it you, it sounds like the sort of thing that you would make up. Lovely. I don't think it's. I'm suspecting it's not his real name.
0: Muff. It can't be a real. You, you can't be called Muff, can you?
1: <laughs> I mean Is that a name?
0: Why am I thinking about? It? Was there um? There's a like a um a music producer that did like the Garbage albums, and did he have a funny? Was he called? Oh, he was called Mutt Mutt Lang.
1: Do I don't think he did the Garbage albums. I
0: thought he did. I thought he you are not
1: thinking of Butch Vig, who was the producer oh, of I'm Nirvana, of who was in who was in Garbage. <laughs> Mutt Lang was. Um, Why have
0: I got them confused?
1: Was Mutt Lang married to Shania Twain?
0: That yes, I think this. I'm getting all of my th- my 90s confused. John, but anyway, John
1: Edward Julius Murfin. So
0: it's not. He's not really called Muff. No, no. But he went professionally by Muff.
1: Right. So when you hear the Gladiators theme, yeah. What what, so what sort of character do you imagine well, singing it? Well, I'm
0: thinking it? big because st- I was singing it in the kitchen. I did it very so, like proper low and. And bombastic. So I'm thinking someone who probably would have been on like stage musical and maybe like a Bryn Turfell or someone like that.
1: He looks like Jimmy Tarbuck.
0: Mark's showing me a picture. He looks like someone's kindly uncle who probably sings in the clubs.
1: It's Ron Dixon.
0: Actually, yeah. Yes. Have a look at Muff... What's his surname?
1: Muff Murphin.
0: Muff Murfin. if you get the chance at home, because... He is not who I thought would have sung the theme tune.
1: Millionaire Music Boss 70 chased burglar down the road naked after catching him ransacking home at 2am. Well,
0: of course. I hope he was singing the uh, theme tune at the time. Do you feel the power? (laughs) I
1: mean, you don't want to mess with his mates, do you? No,
0: absolutely not. Get Wolf round and uh, sort the burglar out.
1: Do you know where I first saw Wolf? Sorry, I think we need to end this podcast quite soon. Uh, Yeah,
0: we were meant to end it about 10 (laughs) minutes ago. Where did you first see Wolf? Was he like in a supermarket or something like that?
1: No, he was on the front of the um, game Barbarian for the Spectrum.
0: I don't understand what you mean.
1: Right. So So he was
0: on the front of a game. The front cover, yeah. Right. Like, drawn in picture no. form.
1: No 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 so was he, he a photograph as, of it? Oh right
0: so he was dressed up as a barbarian. Yeah,
1: dressed up as essentially Conan the barbarian. So he was like a
0: model. He wasn't well, wolf yet. Was he wolf yet? Oh
1: no 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 this this would be like mid 80s. Right okay. Um right I'm just i So to...
0: he was barbarian he should have been known as Well, that would have been a good name.
1: Yeah, I mean, Barbarian was a great game. Uh, I it was a great it had game. Had long hair as well because you could uh, chop people's heads off. Oh, okay, it was like just a fighting game, standard kind of fighting game with with like swords, a,
0: like a Street Fighter, but with swords.
1: Well, it was more one on one. Yeah, so yes, yeah, so a Street Fighter. That's yeah. exactly what <laughs> yeah, you're describing. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Um,
0: don't be questioning my nerd c- credentials.
1: I oh, I'm just gonna type Barbarian Wolf and see. Um, what. But
0: honey, I really don't need to see it. You do. I mean, this is terrible terrible podcasting yes it is in the in the audio form we'll save this for next time i might put it on the instagrams <laughs> and speaking of which <laughs> you can find us on social media we are still on twitter who knows how long for i'm not even going into it because every time i go into twitter i just get depressed about the state of the world uh, but we are still there and you can find us at the honeymoon pod you can also find us on instagram where we are much more active at the honeymoon pod again we may put a picture of Mark's little birthday cake, even though it's not his birthday. It's birthday muffin up. And Mark is still looking at pictures of Wolf as barbarian. It, now he's showing me it. Oh, I mean, wow, that's of its time. Yeah, we
1: might put that up on the
0: <laughs> Keep an eye out on our stories because uh, we may be putting a picture of Wolf.
1: Is that Maria Lloyd that's with him? I haven't thing?
0: got... I mean, honestly, you're asking me this now. Well, you know. <laughs> I don't know who Maria Lloyd is, Mark.
1: Um, So she's married to the Rebel MC.
0: Oh, really? Oh, that, I,
1: that might be wrong. Okay. Barbarian, the Ultimate Warrior. Death Sword. All right. I was just going to say gameplay, development, references.
0: You know, I'm totally going to edit this.
1: Yeah, I mean, Outward. Maria Whittaker, not Maria Lloyd. But it is Wolf on the front cover. Oh, no. No. It's Maria Whittaker, who is married to the Rebel MC. I got the name wrong.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please come back. I'm really sorry about this ending. I'm so sorry. He's gone off script.
1: (laughs) We'll see you next time.
0: Bye.